welcome to the Fantasy Footballers DFS and Betting Podcast with your hosts, Kyle Borgannoni and Matthew Betts. Welcome in. Friday, April 28th, also known as the day after the draft. It's the Fantasy Footballers DFS and Betting Podcast. I'm your host, Kyle Borgannoni, and I am joined, as always, by Matthew Let's burn the lions to the ground bets. Oh, brother! Um, last year, I was I was on I was on the lions. You know, over on their win total. I loved Amon Ra. I love the value of those guys in best ball. I, I mean, how can you look at what happened last night and feel good about any of it? We'll talk about that on today's show. React to round one, and man, it was it was a wild night. Like <laughs> I feel like just from the Will Levis stuff to. You know, the Jameer Gibbs pick for fantasy. Like, it's so fun to break it all down, but it was wild. Um, I got to, you know, just start the show, but just how about them Eagles, man? How about them Eagles? Oh Jalen Carter gosh. and Nolan Smith at 30th overall. They were going to take him at 10 if Carter was off the board. So as an Eagles fan, I am very happy with how it went last night. You got to feel good that your team right now is the is the talk and that you guys look like the smartest people alive. And, you know, I, I just, yeah. Everybody on TV, everybody on the internet is going to be talking about that. They're going to be talking about Georgia offense or Georgia defensive line for a while. And I have a lot of friends that went to Georgia, uh, a lot of family members, and they're seriously asking the question, is it okay if I'm also an Eagles fan? Like, can I be a Falcons and an Eagles fan? And I got to say, like, I'm rooting for you guys too. Like, you're my second favorite team in the NFC. It's basically Georgia 2.0. They got four starters now with Nicobe Dean and uh, Jordan Davis on the defensive line there from last year's draft. So, um, yeah, it, it's wild that it all happened that way. But as you can tell in my voice, I am very excited. And if you remember last year when we recorded after the first round, they traded for A.J. Brown. So good things are happening ever since that Justin Jefferson, you know, snafu from two years ago or whatever. So things are looking up in Philly. I think we're doing all right. On this show, we're going to give our NFL draft reactions from a betting perspective. Okay, you're going to hear a lot of people saying, "Here's winners and losers." Uh, you know, here's what you need to do in fantasy. Here's when you do rookie drafts. Next week on the Dynasty podcast, we're going to do a live rookie mock draft. We'll have all of that, especially in the Ultimate Draft Kit Plus. So, there's lots of different takes you're going to get. I just want to say this off the start. This is kind of my own philosophy. You don't have to have a take for everything. Like, it's okay to not have your opinion made up yet when you look at these players, but you're going to get a million different ones over the next couple of days. So keep that in mind that in terms of process and what Betts and I care a lot about, which is forecasting the NFL, you're going to have an emotional take, an emotional reaction. We all do. I do included. Like, Bijan going to my Falcons is super fun. I also have the take of this is bad for building an NFL team, um, here's all my other reasons. Here's the reasons why the Eagles are smart because they build in the trenches. They pick premium positions, but I also can take into account what I've done with the Falcons schedule and they have a fourth place schedule. Like you can take so many different angles before arriving at a final conclusion. So that's, what's so important. That's what I love this podcast. And I love, it's a chance for us to talk about a process and yes, you can give a quick, t- quick take on Twitter. You're going to see a lot of that, but we care about the long-term uh, mindset. So, yeah, any any words to that, Bats, before we get into our reactions? Yeah, I mean, I think sometimes it's a little easy. It's too easy, I think, to just kind of take what happened 24 hours ago and then just apply that this is definitely what's going to happen and think that that's the correct take. 
Sometimes it is. Sometimes it's not. You know, you think about Josh Allen. People made fun of the Bills for a year when they took Josh Allen. Turns out he's one of the best quarterbacks in the NFL. So um, we're optimistic this time of year. We think everything is the best pick ever or the worst pick ever. But sometimes it's it's right in the middle. And like Kyle said, just it's one piece of the puzzle to forecast in the NFL. When we talk about over the next month or so, you know, win totals, the awards markets for MVP, comeback player of the year, the defensive player of the year, stuff like that. Um, and then as we put that all together, we tie it all together over the weekend and into Monday, you and I are going to be doing a ton of work in the dynasty pass team opportunity. Again, getting that ecosystem of what is this team now that we have the draft in place and how do we use that for betting best ball and then eventually DFS. If you're not excited about football, then I, I don't know why you're listening to this podcast because the ball has started rolling really since free agency building up to the draft. Now we're kind of seeing the landing spots. People are doing rookie drafts. Goes into best ball for June. You know, we talk a lot about win totals. So it, it's a really fun time to get the conversation going. And I think you and I will get to talk more about forecasting. But you can get everything in the Ultimate Draft Kit. We're still doing an Ultimate Draft Week giveaway. If you pre-order the UDK at ultimatedraftkit.com by this Sunday, you can be entered to win a Listener League spot, which is the most coveted prize ever. Uh, Jalen Waddle signed jersey and a DK Metcalf signed jersey. And if you use the promo code DFSPOD, you can save a little money too. So we we think that we're still giving this away at a stupid price and we're giving away free stuff. We're just dumb. But ultimatedraftkit.com if you want to be there. Quick question. What was your best and your worst beat so far from betting the NFL draft? So we still have a, a one thing that can be answered that would make our entire weekend <laughs> oh man <laughs> oh man if people could just see like the group chat or slack or text between me and kyle from probably about pick seven <laughs> until 31 last night we have and we wrote this up you know in in on the article and we talked about it uh the will levis thing like we want it to be the patriots we have such a long shot ticket we thought maybe they would come up and get him turns out the nfl hates will levis by the way and and I don't want to make light of the situation. Like I feel horrible for him and his family that they were there, get dressed up. It's a whole thing. He closed Kyle in the betting markets minus fifteen hundred to be a top five pick. So that's the expectation that everyone had. So I feel terrible about him, the human being, in that aspect. But we were on left to the Patriots, and when they traded back, I was like, "Oh, it's over. He's yes. not going to be there." And then. Green Bay didn't take him. Of course, the Jets didn't take him. I was like, oh, this is happening. This is it. I was already counting the money, Kyle. (laughs) And then all of a sudden, he kept falling and falling and falling. So that might be the worst beat because it was so in range to happen. We'll see, though. It could happen in round two here tonight. We'll see about that one. But the best one along the same lines, I felt really confident about fading the Hendon Hooker stuff. I know he gained steam late in the process of, well, it's the fifth year option. You know, this is a very weak class. Someone's going to trade up to get him. Someone, Kyle. They always trade up to get him. And you pointed out in your article, as you do every year and on the show, trades just don't happen the way that we want them to as fantasy dynasty betting people. We want it more than the NFL actually allows it to happen. And so it didn't happen. And so I was very, very in on the under four and a half. I'm shocked that it wasn't four. truthfully. I thought Will Levis would go. So I thought I'd be sweating that all the way till pick 28, 29, 30. And fortunately after like pick 24, 25, it kind of seemed like it wasn't going to wasn't going to be that case. So under four and a half QBs was definitely my biggest wager on the draft. If you go through what trades did happen, it's kind of wild to think about the fantasy implications of of just the fantasy world says, oh, they're going to trade up for this wide receiver. They're going to trade up for this quarterback. You know, like the, I mean, we could talk about the Lions later, but like 
they traded back <laughs> to get a running back, whatever. But the trades, the teams that traded up, it was a defensive piece. It was an offensive line piece. Like, those were the ones that they traded up for. They had the highest on their board. So, yeah, like, uh, I mean, you had the Bills at the very end go for Kincaid. And other than that, like, the trades that people said were going to happen just didn't happen at all. I will say the ones that felt really good getting right were the picks that you and I had on the show about a month ago were Paris Johnson be the first offensive lineman taken. That wavered for a while, and then it closed that he was the favorite. So it was it was good that that was our... That was part of our process, you know, a month ago. And then the one that I felt like an idiot on this show saying Anthony Richardson goes ahead of Will Levis, and I laid minus, what, 250 on it, whatever it yeah, was. Yeah, something like that. I, I mean, Jason and I talked about, like, hey, this should be minus 400, this should be minus 500, and then it moved in the opposite direction where Will Levis was the betting favorite. So we needed to keep that in mind that, you know, it's it's – Things change, and the betting markets, let's just say this, the betting markets are not reflective of this is what's going to happen. The betting markets in the NFL draft is this is what the public thinks is going to happen, and the public doesn't have privy to a lot of information. I think that needs to be stated. Like There is so much speculation of what we think could happen. I think NFL teams did a very good job of keeping things under wraps. So, you know, Anthony Richardson, Will Levis, whatever, Like it, it seemed like, it was more based on the evaluation than what the public was thinking. For sure. And I think that that's something to take home every year if you are going to be betting on the NFL draft is that, you know, like you said, it's an information-based market. And sometimes we take little bits of information as this is what's going to happen. It's fact. But you need to remember a lot of this stuff comes back to the entire process, not just, oh, he gained steam really late. So like Will Levis is definitely going now ahead of Anthony Richardson. There was talks even as of, you know, like the second and third pick on the clock of like, who's it going to be Richardson or Levis, Richardson or Levis. And so, yeah, you just need to be mindful that um, things change quickly. And I will just say this year specifically, the books seem to do a much better job of not leaving themselves, hanging themselves out to dry with crazy long shots that you could just pick off easily. I found it really tough this year, actually, to make wagers that were positive EB. I think the books did better this year than they did last year. And we'll see how it goes moving forward. But the last piece of that. And I just want to point this out. I'm not trying to call out anyone by name specifically, but you know, it comes back to the, the whole process, right? Kyle had talked about he loves CJ Stroud. The NFL seemed to all of a sudden hate CJ Stroud, but three months ago they loved him. So why did he all of a sudden stop? Then Lance Erline came out and said, he's not going to Houston. He's not the pick at two. So you just need to be mindful that one piece of information you hear is not everything. And sometimes I think if we're betting on this, we hear, oh, so-and-so is definitely going top 20. Like, let, let's bet it real quick. Just be mindful. Things change very quickly. You want to make sure that you are taking a long approach at this thing, not just, you know, the week of the draft. Yeah, and and I would say this year, things were... People were more sure two days before the draft than they should have been, where when you saw on draft day, things closed where, hey, CJ Stroud is going to be the number two pick. Like, that's where that's where things closed. So just keep that in mind. One that I did feel really good about... It was later information, but we put this out in our draft article. Was Jameer Gibbs to go in the first round? We got that out there at plus two eighty, and then that closed at around plus two twenty. I mean, minus two twenty. So it, that that felt really good. It felt even crazier when it was like, oh, this bet's already done uh, at the twelfth overall pick. Whatever. Um, I will say the ones that kind of hurt were. Tyree Wilson falling out of the top five. I know he had an injury that kind of popped up. Um, so that one felt not as good, 
Nolan Smith fell a lot further. Like I had a, a bet of him to go to the top ten, and I know they said that they would have taken him there. Like so, that one didn't feel as good. Um, and then Christian Gonzalez, what happened there, man? That that one, I think a lot of people were asking that question. His over under was at eight and a half. He fell all the way to seventeen. That's probably one of the ones that hurt the most for me because I I could have seen him go as high as t- as the fifth overall pick. Yeah, for sure. His fall, I think, maybe signals that you know media might have been more into him than the NFL evaluated and you know we talked about not not getting too uh zeroed in on what just happened you know the week leading up to the draft but there was a pretty consistent drumbeat throughout the last I would say three to four or five weeks ever since Devin Witherspoon's pro day that he was shooting up draft boards every mock had him at six to Detroit or seven to the Raiders and you know Christian Gonzalez would frequently be at like eight to the Falcons nine to the Bears ten to the Eagles so it became somewhat clear that like he was the dude in the NFL's mind. And so I was fortunate enough. I pivoted earlier this week. I was like, the writing is on the wall. Devin Witherspoon is going to be the first cornerback drafted. So I was able to get off some of that under eight and a half stuff, but I was surprised he fell as far as he did. I think the Patriots got a steal where they did. They traded back and still got him to fall into the lap. And that was a major need for New England. So I like that from a team building perspective. I wish, however, Kyle, they would have taken Will Levis for our wallets. All right, before we go into the draft, I just want to say this about my uh, Will Levis, you know, live stuff because there's a lot still writing, and I was like, oh, I'm done. And then I looked at the ticket. I was like, okay, this isn't about Patriots taking with the first pick. It's just team to draft Will Levis. I haven't revealed this information to you yet, Bets, oh, but I actually have news? another. I have another Will Levis live ticket that's still going. What? I did, Who is it? I, I forgot that I draft that I that I put something out there. It was a small wager. But Will Levis to go to the Lions. And the Lions have done some crazy stuff over the last day. Oh, they're and, the betting favorite. Oh, I, I need to look this up because I think I got it at like plus 2,000. I'm sorry. I lied. So, Not the betting favorite. Complete lie okay. on the show. They are uh, they are fourth most likely, according to FanDuel okay. right now. So, I, you know, I will rejoice. I want it to be the Patriots just for this stupid, stupid bet that trended in a very good direction. Uh, but if it's the Lions, I wouldn't hate that either. But I also can say that I detest the Lions. I, and, and I'm excited to talk about them when we walk through the draft. Because I I, I'm just saying, before it was cool, I didn't like the Lions. But now You're, it's going to be cool. You were on it a year early, Kyle. But now it's going to be cool to not like the Lions. Oh, so, so you're back in. I'm in. I'm in, baby. Let's go. Out, my Lions instead of our Lions like everyone else. No, we'll talk about it in a second. Hey, rookie. Welcome to the NFL. We're going to give our reactions to the first round, walk through most of the picks, and talk about them from betting, a little bit fantasy, a little bit from win totals. And at the very end of the show, we will give you some props that we are already firing away at that we think you can too. Um, But first, let's talk about Lamar because that broke the day of the draft. And for us, we were looking at this not so much from fantasy, but Okay, how does this shift their win total? Um, how does this shift, you know, how we think about this team, best ball, all of those things with Lamar. So Lamar gets his money, $185 million guaranteed. And your initial reaction, bets was you, you, when that news broke, you messaged me and said, okay, what do you have for their schedule-adjusted wins? Like, that, that was your first question. It wasn't, you know, fantasy. It was, okay, what do you have for them? And I had the Ravens a little bit lower than, than I think I did. What was it, like lower than eight and a half? Uh, I think you had them just under that, yeah. So 
initially, you'd think that, okay, the Ravens get a bump. And my initial projections had Lamar there, but I, I, I couldn't be fully confident in it. So, yes, they should get a boost because this is a MVP caliber quarterback. But the Ravens have a pretty tough schedule. It's a second-place schedule, including games against Miami, the Lions, and at the Chargers, but also some tough road games. You know, at Jacksonville, at San Francisco, at Tennessee is not going to be a super easy game either. And they're in a tough division in the AFC North where every team went 3-3. Three and three. So, any of your betting reactions to Lamar? Yeah, I really wanted to just log in immediately and fire on the over. And then I, I stopped for a second because I thought it was still at 8.5. It's at 9.5 with the over juiced right now I'm looking at DraftKings to minus 120. So, whether you're in on either side of this, if, if you are going to play, just shop around. But when I saw that and then, you know, looked at everything, I was like, eh, that feels right. You know, last year we had such a strong conviction. This team dealt with so many injuries. They're always in contention. Great coaching staff, great analytical staff. You know, Lamar playing at a, a great level is in the range of outcomes. And we were very, very heavily invested on the over. This year, I feel like the line is, is pretty right. And like you mentioned, I mean, that division, like Deshaun Watson was one of the worst quarterbacks in football last year. Even if he's not who he used to be, but if he just regresses to the mean, if he's Jacoby Brissett, Kyle, <laughs> and that team can just Jacoby Brissett was one of the best quarterbacks from an EPA perspective last year when he was in there, it was funny. Um, yes, if he just becomes like league average or even a little bit better, you know, those are not guaranteed wins. The Steelers are always a tough out. I feel like every week the spread with those teams is like three and a half. Like it's a kind of a coin flip, right? And then you think about, you know, the Dolphins are going to be a good team. We're going to give the Lions a lot of uh, talk today, but they're still probably going to be a pretty good team this year. And then, you know, the Chargers are not an easy out either. So, yeah, I think it's a tough a tough thing to get into, a tough market to buy into. I would stay away personally. I will say, however, if you are going to invest and say, let's say the, the Ravens do hit their top-end outcome, they win 10-11 games, they win that really tough division, Lamar comes out and proves it to people on this year, uh, on the first year of his deal, you might as well just go on the, on the MVP market, I would think. I saw it this morning on FanDuel. I think it was uh, plus 1,600. So that's my take on the Ravens. I don't have a strong lean either way, though, on their win total. Can you look up what their live line is to win the division? It was at 310, or yeah, plus 310 yesterday. And I'm assuming it's moved even more. Uh, I just. Yep, they're at plus 280. It wouldn't shock me. Like any of those four teams, probability wise, I think could win the division. I, I mean, I think the betting favorite, obviously, is the Bengals. Uh, what are they like? Plus one thirty, plus one forty. So right now on on DK, it's plus one twenty for Cincy. The Ravens are plus two eighty. The Browns plus three sixty, and the Steelers at plus five hundred. Yeah, I I don't mind taking any of those long shot bets on on some of those other teams, like the Browns who have a fourth place schedule. I don't mind that at all. Uh, it's just a tough division, and they play close. We mentioned that before. So yeah, the Ravens market feels right nine and a half, and I I like that we arrived at that conclusion. Instead of just saying, oh, they got Lamar's in, they got Zay Flowers, everyone's healthy, they got OBJ, it's going to be great. And it probably will, I would say, you know, around 10 wins sounds right, but it's a lot tougher than you think. So that's how you adjust to news, look at the schedule, adjust for what's going on, and see if the markets are are good. So at minus 120, I'm probably off that right now. I could see that being moved to 10. Like, I I could see that eventually going there, and then that just seems like a bet I'm not going to take. Um but let's walk through the first round because that's what's most important. And I'm going to steal from what I was going to talk about earlier because I just want to hone in on this first pick with Bryce Young from a betting perspective. We've talked about this before. You put out an early 
uh, win totals that you and I were already in agreement, and the line has kind of stayed there. You can give me an updated line for the Panthers, but it was at seven and a half when the books first came out with it. And man, I need to give us some information about how rookie quarterbacks, how they actually affect win totals because we're, so what is the line right now? Yeah, it's still seven and a half. The under actually is even money. The over is minus 120. Give me the under seven and a half wins for the Panthers. Um, shout out to Sharp Clark NFL at 444.com. He's a good follow. He looked at every team that started a top 10 rookie quarterback in week one and their win totals. So every team that had a quarterback in the top 10 that started in week one. And we assume that <laughs> Bryce Young is going to be the week one starter, right? He should be. <laughs> I think that coaching staff is competent. He will be the starter. All right, so I'm going to I'm gonna work back all the way from 2016 and kind of give you these teams. So that year, Winston and Mariota were the first two picks, and the Bucks, their win total was at six. It was a push. The Titans, win total was at five and a half. They hit the under at three wins. The next year, Carson Wentz, their line was seven and a half. They hit the under at seven. Sam Darnold in 2018, the line was five and a half. They hit the under. Kyler Murray, the win total was at five. They pushed at five. Joe Burrow, win total was at five. Hit the under. Zach Wilson, win total was at six. They hit the under. Trevor Lawrence, the win total was at six. It hit the under at three wins. Based on this sample set, that tells me that every single team pushed and most of them hit the under. And when I see a line like seven and a half and I look at my schedule adjusted projections, the Panthers seem like they are screaming as an under candidate uh, under seven and a half. Yeah, I'm, I am I love it. I mean, I we loved it a month ago. And the fact that it hasn't moved, I might just bet it again. I might pull a Kyle here and just, just double, double bet. <laughs> again, again. <laughs> Fire away <laughs> with it. So I love it. I'm in on that for sure. I already am. Um, and since we're already talking about the Panthers, let's just stick with it. I don't know how they handicap this this early right now, but the crazy people at DraftKings are putting out season-long player props. Yes, it is April. They're, they're able to predict what's going to happen between September and December of this year. So they have season-long player props, and if you were with us last year, you know this is one of the softest markets that exist in betting. So we talked about our you know kind of win rate across the year for season-long you know season -long versus weekly player props. Weekly player props each year get tougher. Season-long player props... I think maybe we'll get there eventually, but they're still the softest market. And so I'm going to be firing into these all summer long. We'll have them up in the, uh, the UDK Plus once that gets here. But what is available right now are some of these rookies. And I like the under on Bryce Young's passing yards. I found it at uh, three uh, 3,925 and a half, minus 110 to the under. It's mostly a, a complete fade on just the team and the trends that Kyle's talking about. We as fantasy players and DFS players love the idea of a negative game script, right, Kyle? Oh, it's going to be a bad team. They're going to be throwing all the time. Our buddy Matt DeSorbo put out a ton of work on this last year. That's not actually what happens. Like, we want that to happen, and every now and then there's a game where it does. But the truth of that situation is that teams just aren't able to move the football. They can't convert first downs. They can't score touchdowns. And so they lose versus just always having to throw to keep up. That's not how it works in the NFL. So we're fading the Panthers. We're fading rookies, and specifically... Rookies who have played at least 10 games since 2010, and granted, take it with a grain of salt because it's one extra game compared to that sample size with 17 games versus 16, but since 2010, only four rookie quarterbacks have hit this mark. Andrew Luck, Justin Herbert, Cam Newton, Jameis Winston, and the numbers for those guys, basically 4,300 yards or less, so essentially 
they're barely clearing this mark at all when they do, and it doesn't happen very often. You throw in the roster, who's he going to be throwing to? Adam Thielen's yards per route run and targets per route run has declined in three straight seasons. He's going to be 33 years old. Kind of washed, maybe, uh, by the end of the year. DJ Chark is coming off ankle surgery. And Terrace Marshall Jr., Kyle, <laughs> might, might not be that good. Just going to throw that out there. So it's a terrible weapon group. The offensive line, I think, will be good. But just we're going to fade the rookie quarterback. Um, I'm excited about his future for Dynasty, if you play in that format. But for betting, give me the under on his yardage. Yeah, if you just want to know what Betts and I are going to take as our stance, we're going to take unders on season-long props. And we're going to be wrong, some of them. Every time. But we're we're going to be right more often than not just because you're factoring in injury and you're factoring in that things have to go right. A lot of things can go wrong on season-long props. So, uh, yeah, we're not saying we don't like Bryce Young or don't like the Panthers. Like, they're they're a fun team. Like, I, I, I'm really excited for them even being in the same division as the Falcons. Like, this is a team that is marketable. This is a team that you can move forward with as, hey, they're going to be fun. And I think Bryce Young is going to have his moments. But for fantasy, I will be uh, fading him in every way possible. Um, so next pick is CJ Stroud. And I, we're going to go right back to what we just talked about because I'm a huge CJ Stroud fan. I'm so happy for him that he went number two after experiencing so much negativity over the last couple of weeks. You saw it when he got drafted, crying. Loved it. Loved every part of that. This is a bad team. Okay, The Texans are really, really bad. Their skill position players are not good, right? Uh, who are we working with here? Robert Woods, who's you know somehow got, got got a deal. Like Adam Thielen and Robert Woods' agent should deserve a standing ovation. Like these dudes, they crushed it. They killed it. And considering, like, what were the Panthers thinking? Like, hey, let's spend all this guaranteed money on somebody who's about to be thirty-three years old, or or we could use that and pay somebody uh, like through the draft. Like instead, they what they gave up. A ton for DJ, giving away DJ Moore. Like, it was just a weird transition. So, their roster's bad, but the Texas roster's bad. Robert Woods, Noah Brown, Nico Collins, John Mechie, who I'm happy he's back, but we don't know what he is, and Dalton Schultz. So, knowing this team, knowing how bad they are, what is the line for CJ Stroud right now? And you can basically go through the same process you just did for Bryce Young. Yeah, his is uh, 3,850 and a half. So it's slightly under Bryce Young's. It's also a little bit more um, juiced, minus 120 to the under. I'm still going to play it. You know, we just talked about the trends and you just talked about the ecosystem and the environment there. I think C.J. Stroud is a good quarterback. It's hard to succeed in the NFL when your group of weapons are what you just listed. And I just want to point this out. It was hard for Tom Brady and the Patriots to succeed when he had zero weapons four, five, six years ago when he was still Tom Brady, right? So like, it's hard to see success for that team throwing the football this year. And um, and real quick, just thinking about moving forward to next year, their trade back up to get Will Anderson, they give up their own 2024 first to do that. Great move if you're a Cardinals fan for, to, to, to have that happen because he is going to be, I think, uh, that pick I should say is going to be probably in the top five, six range most likely based right. off what we think of this team. And the betting markets will tell you they're tied for the Cardinals right now for dead last Super Bowl odds. So I like the move if you're a Cardinals fan ready for a rebuild. And if you're thinking about Texans players, Texans pass catchers, you're like, oh, they're going to be so cheap in best ball. You might get a couple of spike weeks. Uh, CJ Stroud is somebody, that, like I mentioned, I love a lot. I think he's a distributor. But the majority of time, rookie quarterbacks do not give you the production you want. The stat that I've been giving for a very long time since 2004 
70% of the time, a rookie quarterback doesn't even give you one top 36 wide receiver. So bet, based on the betting odds, I'm going to look at these players, and if people think they're going to have value, I'm just going to move on. There might be some good correlation if we want to go to week 17 for best ball, but I will be taking the under on this team, uh, or under on CJ Stroud, under on his passing options. It's just not worth it. Like There's so many other places you can spend it, but I'm happy for him. I love that those are the first two picks. Um, we don't really need to talk about Will Anderson too much. I would say we knew that he was the best defensive player. The markets were all over the, the map, and then it was very clear. I hate for the people that had Will Anderson to be the number two overall pick. That's painful, but if you did Will Anderson to the Texans, you got it. So that that's just that's tough. Yeah, and so. uh, and shout out to Daniel Jeremiah who actually called this in his mock. He said CJ Stroud first, then they trade up and take Will Anderson. So yeah, I don't. I, I it's wild that they actually were able to pull that off and just go two three back to back. But clearly they had a, a target on him and gives D'Amico Ryan's, uh, you know the the Alabama connection there gives him a, a solid not not solid great pass rusher prospect coming out of Alabama. Before we get to Anthony Richardson, let's take a quick break. We're back. The Colts at fourth overall took Anthony Richardson, which <laughs> had in my mock. Um, they didn't really get a lot of other stuff right, but uh, whatever. Uh, by the way, Betts, I looked at what you did in your in your mock for the competition. You did pretty well, man. Devin Witherspoon to Seattle, Jalen Carter to the to the Eagles, Bryce Young to the Panthers. No one saw that coming. Dude, I'm 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 telling you, like for their first year being in the competition, like how did you feel about it? Oh, for the huddle. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's a good learning experience. I'm definitely not an expert mocker by any means. Um, but I think I had 27 of 31 guys go in the first round. I had him in my mock. So that's kind of like the building, you know, the building yeah. block for how you build a mock draft. So I was happy about that. But um, it was a good learning process. And I think moving forward next year too, like understanding uh, trends and, you know, team visits and how it fits and what teams value athletic traits versus, you know, which school they come from and stuff like that is going to be helpful not only in that but also betting on the nfl draft next year i i think you're you don't i don't think you realize like i think you got in the top 75 percent, so you did pretty good dude that's so right. I no well, well i think also just like that the main part of it is can you identify first round picks and in a draft where there were a ton of reaches jameer gibbs jack campbell <laughs> come on lions um and some other picks that felt a little weird uh, that's that's something to do. So Betts, Betts did a great job grinding this kind of stuff. But Anthony Richardson, I don't want to talk about it from Dynasty. We're going to talk about it on the Dynasty show next week. How many starts does he get as a rookie? So my my initial take when I saw the pick um, was that I thought it'd be closer to maybe like 10, just like off the top of my head. But then I saw a quote from last night from Shane Steichen who said, you know, in order to improve, you got to play. Something along those lines. I'm paraphrasing. I think he might enter week one as the dude. And if not, I think it'll be very early in the process. So after hearing that and kind of understanding that he comes from an organization in Philly where they're very analytically driven, you understand you got to put the guy out there and learn to play. Um, so I would say probably closer to like 12 to 14 if I had to handicap it. Okay. So the average start time for you know first round quarterbacks is about week six. And I think that's kind of where I'm setting it. You know, maybe he gets in earlier than that. 
Uh, we don't know their schedule, which man, that's one of my favorite days of the year. And that's something that I've like, I've just like gone fully in that schedule release day. I get fully in on the, on the order. I already do the schedule just for projections, but you guys we'll, should we'll see fun. Kyle in the spreadsheets. I mean, he is just oh. going crazy. I, I, I'm a, yeah, I'm a freak. So, um, freak the sheets. <laughs> spreadsheet, man, um, Google sheets. I think that he starts, you know, week five, week six, you're going to get a couple of Gardner Minshew weeks. I think they're a sneaky team in that division. Like, I think that they are not as, not as good as what we thought last year, but not as bad as what they showed, you know, with Jeff Saturday. So I think they're a sneaky team in that division. Um, if you want to look up their odds real quick, but, uh, the Jaguars are a team that I'm already a little down on. And I was down on their win total was at 10 and a half and it's been trending in the other direction. Um, and then the Titans are always right there, but I just think they're a little bit interesting of a long shot, but I don't know how many starts I'm going to get from Richardson, but they're going to be fun. They're going to be a fun team for fantasy. And hopefully my boy pity city, uh, comes back to, to life. They are plus 500 to win the AFC South and their win total is six and a half. The over is juiced to minus minus one forty. Yeah. I don't mind either of those right now. Thoughts. You're wild. You're wild, Kyle. Come um, on. It's, I think what you're saying, and I, I mean, they're five to one for a reason. So it's tough to see them having a ton of success, but could it be a division where nine wins gets it done? Like it's one of those divisions where you're like, okay, I guess one of these teams has to make the playoffs. Certainly when you look at the Titans, the Colts, you know, obviously the Texans. Um, yeah, you could see it. So I, it's fine. I'm not a, I don't have a huge stance on it. All right. We're going to go through a couple more picks here. Devon Witherspoon with the Seahawks, Paris Johnson, the Cardinals traded back and then they traded up. You should have seen it. I was watching the draft with Jason and Andy Cardinals fans. And they were like, sweet. We traded back. Like they were so happy to trade back. And when they traded up, they were like, okay, we're going to get Paris Johnson. Aren't we? Okay. I mean, I guess that's our guy, but does that tell me they would have taken him at three if they couldn't trade? Like that, I think, that's probably what I think if they're yeah, if they got stuck and they just didn't get an offer, they would have stayed there, and I think they would have taken him, which is was early based off mock drafts and based off you know consensus big boards and all that sort of stuff. But I will say, at least this new GM and and coaching staff, like they were at Kyler's you know uh, statue, whatever at Oklahoma, they yeah. listened to him actually, and he he's been saying I want an offensive tackle, I want an offensive lineman for two three years. Steve Kime ignored him. They got his guy. They trade back. They get another first next year. So I kind of like it from a long-term perspective for the Cardinals. They're going to be atrocious <laughs> this year, just straight oh, up. So They're going to be so bad. But I like it from a team-building perspective long-term. Then the uh, Raiders took Tyree Wilson, which was a super confusing pick considering what they already have on the defensive line. But I've tweeted this out. The Raiders, since Y2K, have been a train wreck. Just, just so bad at drafting. Uh, Tyree Wilson's a really fun projection, uh, but anyway, but we're here because it's the Minute. Yeah. yeah, I'm saying yeah, because as a Falcons <laughs> fan, I was so excited to tell my family, like I was so excited to tell my boys, like guys, we have the most fun player in the draft. Like he was so fun on TV yesterday. Obviously his tape's super great. Personality wise, Bijan might be the dude in the draft. He's no Will Levis. I'll say that. Bijan seems cool, man. He seems fun. He seems nice. Charismatic. I like him. I, I mean, I'm buying the jersey. From a team-building perspective, this is painful. This is very painful. <laughs> I feel conflicted. What are your thoughts? Yeah, I mean, this is a complete different conversation between fantasy 
and real-life NFL. Fantasy, Bijan Robinson is going to be worth a first-round pick in redraft leagues and in best ball leagues. I firmly believe that based off what this team wants to do, how good they were last year doing it. Arthur Smith is going to hand the ball off every play if possible. Sad times for Kyle Pitts and Drake London. But from a team-building perspective, you have a fifth-round rookie last year in Tyler Algier who was good, in fact was great at times, and they proved with Marcus Mariota and Desmond Ritter that they can move the ball with that offensive line. So it feels like a luxury pick for a team, Kyle, that can't afford luxury picks, if I'm being honest. So I hate it from a team-building perspective, but P. John Robinson is a stud. We're going to be all over him this this year in uh, DFS, best ball, all sorts of fa- uh, fantasy contests. I, the problem with the Falcons is number one in yards per carry, second in EPA per rush, this team feels like dead last in sack rate two years in a row. I mean, it was right there. It was right there. They had a great off season, right? Like they I, did. I think they, they actually were... did. I think. Yeah. Now here's, I'll still say this and I'm trying to say this is unbiased as possible. I still think that they can win the division. I, I like the saints. I think they're the betting favorite. Um, I do like the Falcons win totals at seven and a half, the same as the Panthers. I would rather have the Falcons over than the, than the Panthers. Uh, definitely in the Panthers. I agree with that. Okay. <laughs> That's probably not the best way to look at it, but it's not, it's not a great, uh, barometer <laughs> of success. It might be better than the Panthers. Uh, fourth place schedule for the Falcons. Keep that in mind as well. But yeah, Bijan, we're going to talk about him a lot of different ways. Uh, yeah, it'll be fun. I'm excited, but I was excited to tell my kids, tell my wife, Hey, this is somebody you're going to really like. Um, and I'm going to buy the kids the Jersey. So Bijan's really fun. The Eagles, Got Jalen Carter at nine, which just felt like they were toying with everyone because at some point Jalen Carter was one of the betting favorites to go number one overall. Uh, any quick things you want to say on your Eagles? No, we kind of talked about it at the top of the show. I think just how he continues to make aggressive moves when it makes sense and draft smartly, you know, with the trenches and premium positions. So pair Jalen Carter up behind Fletcher Cox for a year or two, depending on what his contract looks like. Plays beside Jordan Davis. His mentor is his teammate at Georgia. I think it makes a ton of sense. I think how he hit it out of the park. I need to give a little peek behind the curtain. Right now, we have a, another person that's technically on this podcast with Betts and I. And I it's my son, Tr- it's Truman. My son, Truman, in the back. Truman. Uh, he's uh, eating Cheez-Its at 8.30 in the morning. That's what he's doing back there. What a guy. Love that guy. I, I'll say this. Truman is is a funny kid. And on the way over to the studio... He said, can we watch a movie in the car? I was like, I don't care. Let's do it. And what did he choose, Bets? What's the movie that he always chooses? Home Alone, 365 <laughs> days a year. <laughs> this is a three-year-old who wants to watch Home Alone. And um, it just warms my heart that he will just say it all the time. Um, all right, let's go through a couple more picks. I'm going to race through. Bears uh, took a tackle, Darnell Wright. Uh, the Titans took Peter Skaronsky, so two tackles there. And then... The Lions shocked the world by taking Jameer Gibbs, including Jameer Gibbs. Did you see his interviews where he was I didn't like, actually. oh, J- Jameer Gibbs, this is what he said. You know, I was kind of shocked because running backs usually go later. I wasn't really prepared to go that early. Like the dude was, was shocked. He was at home with his family because he thought, hey, I'm probably going to be a late first round pick. He even said, you know, his projections from what he was told, he said he was probably going to go 20 or after, maybe even into the second round. And they take him at 12. People, if you're building a team, premium positions are, are what you use your draft capital for. So just take what the Eagles do. You build on the defensive and offensive line. You take quarterbacks, you take wide receivers, and you take cornerbacks. Those are the positions. The positions you don't take 
one, never take a kicker. Ra- Raiders did that years ago. <laughs> don't take running backs. You don't take safeties. And you don't take linebackers, especially inside linebackers. And the Lions said, hey, let's take a running back and an inside linebacker that seemed like they were apparently higher on their board than everyone else's. Yeah, there's no other way to put it. The Lions had the worst draft of any NFL franchise in round one. It was atrocious. And I love Jameer Gibbs. I love the prospect for fantasy, for dynasty, for all these things. He's going to be a lot of fun. But you just had Aaron Rodgers leave your division. You have a chance to build on this roster and have a true contending team for two, three, four years in a row now that Rodgers is finally gone. And what do you do? You blow your picks on these positions that don't matter in the NFL. And that's not our opinion. It's just the the data will show you you don't have to take these guys where they do. They just wasted it, man. And it's really disappointing because, like you said, last year people were excited about what the Lions were building. Their OC was really creative, did some great things with Jared Goff. You know, they get a playmaker in Amon Ross St. Brown already. And then Jamison Williams gets suspended. They waste the pick on Jameer Gibbs. They waste the pick on an interior linebacker. It's just a terrible way to build your your franchise. So it pains me to say, man, I'm I'm out on the Lions. That's their first round was atrocious. I I sent you a bunch of gifts last night of just Star Wars. You know, just like let the anger, let the hate flow through you, bets. <laughs> I was because... so mad. I was so mad. Okay, so we we obviously talk a lot about this podcast and not giving quick emotional reactions. Their win totals at nine and a half. I took an under out of spite, pure spite, uh, earlier this year. And then looking at their schedule, we do have to think about the Lions a little differently than just oh they're going to improve. They're going to be. I mean that those were the sentiments that I saw on Twitter whenever I gave out my Lions takes of just like oh how could you hate on them so much? You know, second place schedule. That adds games against Seattle, who looks freaking awesome. I can't wait to talk about the Seahawks. The Ravens and the Cowboys. Those are the games that they add. They have games on the road against Kansas City and the Chargers, the Saints and the Buccaneers, okay? A tough NFC North that is not just like, oh, the Packers took a step back. Like, I already took an over on the Packers uh, a couple weeks ago. It was at 7.5. That was before the Rodgers news. I, I feel pretty good about that. I thought seven and a half was too low. Yeah, I just don't think they were given to win this division at all. No, based off where the odds are, I would not touch it. I took it a month ago when, I, like you said, we thought things were going to be trending in the right direction, make some smart picks, you know, et cetera. Um, I think I got it at plus 165 or something along those lines. It's down to minus 140. But that's just too short of a price for what this team did. They just burned through picks. And real quick on the Jameer Gibbs stuff, like, I, they're going to trade DeAndre Swift. Don't get me wrong. They will be doing that. So we're not a dynasty show. We do have one of those. Subscribe wherever you listen to your podcasts. Uh, <laughs> if you're listening to this before Friday at about 8 o'clock Eastern, send a low ball offer to DeAndre Swift immediately in your dynasty league, which I've done. Um, so he'll be there with David Montgomery. But they gave David Montgomery the fifth most guaranteed money for a free agent running back since 2020. And then you spend the 12th pick on running back. It's terrible team building. So I, I hate the pick. Yeah, it, it, so I took the under already on the Lions, and I think it's going to trend in that direction with just the public sentiment of what they did. They do have some second-round picks, so I think that they can redeem some of this if they just keep hitting on second, third-round picks. Andy tweeted out earlier that this is what the Lions draft room is going to look like when they take Devin A. Chain in the second <laughs> round just for the heck of it. That would be oh. hilarious. I just I love I love Dan Campbell for what he is on this show, like as Guns Mahoney. That's the only personality I like. I do not like him, and I like, and I don't like their management for the way they've done things. So uh, out on the Lions. I'm going to run through a couple more of these picks. Uh, Lucas Van Ness went to the Packers at 13. That was a shock. Uh, 
I think to a lot of people that they had two defensive players they took in the first round last year. We thought this was going to be a spot for JSN, but he kept following. Broderick Jones, the Steelers traded up for him, which I thought was solid. Uh, Will McDonald was a bit of a projection on a lot of people's boards, uh, but apparently the Jets like just were over the moon about him. Any thoughts on some of those picks? Yeah, I think you know with with those three guys, like Van Ness was a guy that I think people, the general public may have thought it was higher than it should have gone. His over under was fifteen and a half, and people were in on the under. So I think he was the guy that people thought might go to Philly as a potential target. Even the Falcons, um, you know, if the Texans stayed at twelve, he could have been a pick for them. So not a reach by any means. And the the Packers just draft athletic guys. That's what they do. Lucas Van Ness, it was incredibly athletic. So I don't mind the pick. Um, the Steelers need a tackle. Protect Kenny Pickett makes a lot of sense. Will McDonald definitely a little bit higher than I think consensus. We'll see. Um, we'll see about that. They were definitely one of those teams that seemed like they were going to take tackle if one fell, but obviously they had uh, Will McDonald higher on their board. But everyone got their guy. You know, that's just, just the beauty of the draft is everyone can say that they walked away saying, man, we got our guy. This is our dude. So did the Lions. Um, nice job. <laughs> I wonder how many like teams, you know, obviously they're putting that publicly out. They're putting stuff on social media. You know, everybody's drinking the Kool-Aid of their team. And then how many of them behind this? He's like, dang it. This is who we got. Like, like this is who fell to us. He was highest on our board. I hope this works out. Like, that's that's the reality of some of these teams. For sure. Yeah. And there's probably some people in the front office that were like, oh, oh we're going to take Jack Campbell now. Okay. Sure. Whatever, whatever you say. This isn't 1980. This isn't 1990 Dan Campbell. Oh, like, this 1991 team would have been absolutely lit, Kyle. They would have been so happy about this draft. Dan Campbell just wanted somebody that he can go up against in practice as a former tight end. Just so he can say Campbell on the back of his jersey, and just the days, just so he could do it. Like, uh, they're not related, but I, I want them to be. I want that to be like his his nephew. So that'd be that'd be great. Um, and then let's get to the wide receivers. Uh, Jackson Smith and Jigbo went twentieth to the Seahawks. I actually saw some people talk about this that if you were to fall, that would be a really fun spot. Um, and then Quentin Johnston, who I like, is this Mike Williams? Like, they just want two Mike Williams out there, just. Big dudes running down the field and maybe catching some contested catches. Like, is that their plan? Hard to say. I mean, they were a team that everyone, the writing was on the wall, that they wanted to add to the offense. Keenan Allen, the GOAT, is getting older. Dealt with health issues last year with the hamstring. um, Making a ton of money this year. Maybe not next year. We'll see. And then Mike Williams only has two more deals, 23 and 2024, on his deal. So it makes sense to start planning for the future. You know, Quentin Johnson is a guy that I think is going to need some time. So maybe it's a good situation to sit behind those guys or play in a wide receiver three type role for a year and then kind of really get going next year. But yeah, I don't I don't hate it. I just thought maybe uh, Jordan Addison would have been a better fit for them. Zay Flowers, 22nd to the Ravens. I, I was against Zay Flowers. I didn't like the steam. His line, I don't know if you saw this, ended at 19 and a half. I uh, took the over of 22 and a half. It was pain. That was painful. Oh, and you got it too at like what plus two eighty or something like that. Yeah, plus two hundred. It was. I was feeling really good about it when we were getting there, but we knew the Ravens one and one uh, a wide receiver. Same thing with the Vikings, Jordan Addison. So four wide receivers in a row. We'll talk about this on the Dynasty Show, but I just need to mention this. I felt so strong this morning because I had so many people ask me, "Man, this is a not as good landing spot for JSN. You know, this is uh, better for Zay Flowers. I like the offense with the Chargers more." It really comes back to with wide receivers coming back to your pre-draft evaluation for these players because 
talent matters so much more than landing spot with wide receivers. You're going to look at the Seahawks and go, oh, look, DK Metcalf, Tyler Lockett, not as great. Uh, Keenan Allen, Mike Williams, not as great for that. But things will change. Pets just mentioned the contract situations for these players, the offenses, and what if the offense is just a good offense like Seattle? Like that's the one where I'm just going to say, I'm buying into this offense. They could actually all be really good. Depends on JSN where he goes in best ball drafts, but that's my initial stance is I'm going to go back to my pre-draft evaluation for these players, how they fit in the NFL, how they earn targets rather than just overvaluing the landing spot. For sure. Yeah. I think that's, that's definitely well said. And I think too, with Jordan Addison, it's funny while you were talking, I was thinking about this example. People probably immediately were like, Oh, great offense. They throw a lot, lots of opportunity, you know, but Justin Jefferson's maybe going to be a hall of famer or probably will be a hall of famer, right? Like he's that good. So that's not great to play alongside him, but like, could they turn into, you know, a locket Metcalf situation where they're both great for fantasy? Maybe. So I don't think the landing spot's bad. I still think those guys are, are great. And, you know, Jackson, Jackson Smith and Jigba, his, his knock in the NFL was that he's going to be a slot only wide receiver, put him in the slot beside uh, locket and Metcalf. Sounds like a pretty dang good offense. Yeah, I'm going to reserve my evaluation of these four. Like, I'm going to take some time this next week and look at these offenses, look at the passing pie, look at how they distribute targets, and kind of come to a conclusion later. Like, a lot of rookie drafts are going to be happening. We'll talk about that next week in the Dynasty. But it's fun because you can't use draft capital any as an argument with these four. They're all the same picks. Like, they're all just the exact same right next to each other, so we can't use that at all. But those are teams that I can't wait to talk about because those are all playoff teams from this past year. So uh, Seattle, uh, Los Angeles, Baltimore, Minnesota, like I feel like in DFS, like we're going to be talking about these guys this year. And right now they all profile as the second or third option on their team, but they're going to be cheap for DFS. So, you know, I think there's going to be some weeks where, you know, you want Zay Flowers over OBJ and Mark Andrews in a a Lamar Jackson skinny stack, those kind of things. Rounding out the first round, is there any other players you want to talk about? I want to mention Dalton Kincaid. And then you can throw out one more if you want. But Dalton Kincaid, uh, his usage is going to be interesting because they basically drafted a slot wide receiver, which is what they needed in the offense. I thought they needed some more just straight speed. So a player more like, you know, Josh Downs, which they could still take. That was kind of linked to them for a while. But it seems like they wanted Dalton Kincaid. They traded up for him. Um, any takes on that and just the Buffalo offense in general? Well, I think we saw, you know, this offense with Josh Allen is good enough to win 10, you know, 10 games most years, not think twice about it. 11 games often, not think twice about it. And win a wild card game if they have to and not think twice about it. But when push comes to shove and you're playing Joe Burrow and Pat Mahomes and maybe the Ravens or whoever else it is in the AFC, in the AFC championship game, we saw them with Steph Diggs being the only option was their shortcoming. Gabe Davis, I don't think, is what we thought maybe he was last year. Can he still be good for this offense and be uh, a valuable piece? I think so, but maybe not what we thought from a ceiling perspective. So you have Dawson Knox there, but you bring Dalton Kincaid in, who's really more of a slot wide receiver, like you said, anyway. And I think I just love the fact that they identified that as a weakness on the roster and said, we need another guy if we're really going to make a jump. So I like that move for Josh Allen and the Bills offense. So I had the Bills, their schedule adjusted projections at 109 which anytime I looked at my projections, something's over 10. That's an outlier. It's really hard for me. Just I'm, I'm just a little bit harder on how I grade teams and in division. So 
Yeah, the, the Buffalo Bills first place games are actually easier than what you think. Uh, Jacksonville at home, Tampa Bay at home, and then on the road against Cincinnati, the game that we didn't get last year, you will get this next year. So I don't mind the Bills over. I really don't. Like I think this is a strong team. Hopefully on day two and day three, they continue to build. They do have some holes uh, at linebacker that I think that like they're going to have to plug some of those, uh, even the offensive line. So those are the key positions for the Bills, but it's it's hard to say negative things about this team that just continues to be there. The question is, do they get over the hump? And so I, are are you looking at any long shot like Super Bowl type stuff uh, for I, the Bills? I, I, I usually stay away from Super yeah, Bowl bets. I haven't been able to digest it enough to really sit down and have a good take on that market. It's hard to hit that market, truthfully. Um, anyway, so no, I don't have anything on that. I'm with you though that I think they do need to add one or two pieces. You know specifically on the back end a little bit on defense to maybe kind of get them over the hump. But yes, I do think that that move signals potentially good things. The path to winning that division with Aaron Rodgers there with, if Tua can stay healthy with that offense in in Miami improved defense is not the easiest path. So I'm less, I guess I'm less in on their win total than I am on maybe just saying like they hit their 80th percentile range of outcomes. Like you might as well take them to win the AFC or, or whatever it is. I haven't looked at right. the odds, but that's kind of my thought process in that whole thing. I, I So Dan Olofsky of ESPN kind of walked through the AFC and went through each of the quarterbacks and said like, okay, here's all the top quarterbacks that are in the AFC. One of these teams is not making the playoffs just from just sheer, like this is how many teams can get in. You know, he started naming like Josh Allen, Lamar Jackson, Joe Burrow, uh, Patrick Mahomes, Justin Herbert, like, you go through all the divisions, Trevor Lawrence, like not everybody's going to be able to make the playoffs. And so it's interesting when you look at this team, they also play the AFC West, which we know is a really tough division. They play your NFC East. I don't know if you saw that. Um, so yeah, it's going to be going to be pretty tough. There is a game we'll see on the schedule, but Buffalo Bills at Philadelphia Eagles this year. Dude, Ooh, that would be an that. awesome Okay, Bets and I, just so you know, we're about to wrap up the show, but we're starting this tradition that we go to a different stadium every year together and we get to identify it and, you know, we don't need to go to, you know, you don't need to go to a Philly game. I don't need to go at Atlanta. We're going to start like some fun stadiums. So we'll find the game this year, but that would be a really, really fun one. That one's probably pretty expensive. Yes, but I would love to go to Buffalo. Maybe break some tables. Kyle, you in? You want to go to uh, Buffalo. Let me find a really dumb game that they have. Uh, Buffalo against the against the Raiders. <laughs> it just doesn't sound like a fun game. <laughs> Let's go right. to like, we'll wait till the schedule's released. I feel like I want it to be like a Monday night game so that we oh, can yeah. have a ton For of work. Line. We got, we got to do that. All right. That's going to wrap us up next week. We will get to do some more forecasting, kind of slow down, digest everything else, and then kind of look forward to win totals. Uh, some of our takes and into best ball season. So we made it. Bets, why don't you sign us off? Yes, sir. Fun show, fun draft on on night one. Hopefully it continues for your NFL team this weekend. Enjoy round two and three tonight, and then the rest of it on Saturday. Have a great weekend. We'll catch you next week. Thank you for listening to another edition of the Fantasy Footballers DFS and Betting Podcast. Don't forget to visit us on the web at thefantasyfootballers.com.